Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London blue Blue Podcast. podcast Hey, Chelsea supporters, this is Dan here. Just wanted to drop you a brief note before the episode kicks off. Nick, Andre, our guest, and myself took the first few minutes of this episode to talk about the shooting in Boulder, gun violence, and, you know, we were raw, we were emotional. I think we're upset at what happens and transpires on a more than regular basis in the United States of America today. And Talked about it in maybe more direct terms than we've used previously on this show. Uh, No foul language, just in terms of the level of seriousness that we approached it with. So if you don't want to hear that, we completely understand. It is a football podcast after all. And uh, you can jump ahead a few minutes to get to that. Jake will put a marker in here and let you know where exactly. Jake, what minute should they go to? Well, gee whiz, I'll tell you what it looks like that spot would be five minutes and 17 seconds. Great. So if you have a chance, just jump there. If not, uh, we appreciate you joining the conversation and looking for ways that we can truly improve. And uh, yeah, so thank you very much and uh, enjoy the episode. Hey, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. We will be reviewing the Chelsea women's match against Wolfsburg in the Champions League. But before that, we just want to take a moment at the advance of the podcast to talk about the shooting that took place in Colorado and the unfortunate and continued loss of life to gun violence in the United States. We know obviously not every listener of our show is someone who lives in the U.S., um, but obviously there is an opportunity always. Uh, but obviously on the heels of these type of events to take action and call your elected officials and urge them to take up gun reform. Uh, the U.S. House has passed multiple bills that the Senate now should take up. And, uh, you know, Nick, obviously just a very uh, somber day for us here anytime this happens. Uh, but, you know, we just want to, you know, kind of make sure we continue to shine a light on the fact that there are social problems that need change. And this is just another one of them. 38,000 gun deaths a year on average. I mean, it's, I don't know, man, it, it's, it seems like we should be doing something about that. Like, yeah, that's, that's too many. It's far too many. And it's, you know, the, the heartbreaking part of this is you have people are posting, you know, Hey, one of those people was my dad, you know, thankfully got to walk me down the aisle last summer. Hey, one of those people was my cousin. He was a police officer who lived to do the right thing. You know, it, you, you start to hear these things after the fact and it just, it makes it all the worse. So I think shouts to our friends of the Rocky mountain blues. I know your community's hurting right now. Um, and you know, if there's anything we can do to, to help, please let us know. Uh, yeah, we got to do better. And uh, we, we do have Andre joining us from Fran Kirby Flight Club. We ain't got no history. Uh, obviously, we'd love to, you know, have you. You know, if you want to say something, please feel free before we kind of jump into the other parts of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'll echo everything that that you and Nick said. I I could talk about this for <laughs> another few hours. Um, I have very strong thoughts on 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 this country and its obsession with guns and violence, and obviously also white supremacy, which is a poison 
and it all is connected. And until we actually understand that and do something about all of it, the root cause especially, um, this is life. This is what it is in America. And it's, it's funny for me is every time we, you know, something really terrible happens or, you know, politicians, you know, love to run, you know, after, especially after like the, the insurrection and say like, this isn't who we are. Yes, this is. And until we fix all of these things, this is, this is, this is who we are. This is what we are. This is not, a mass shooting is not an abnormal thing in America. And we should need to stop acting like it is because it doesn't serve anybody doesn't do any good because basically we just don't change anything until the next one happens. And then we say the same things and then the next one happens. So I'm with Nick. Uh, we really got to, at some point, I, I don't know when enough is enough. Enough would have been enough for me decades ago, but because I'm old. <laughs> but, uh, but we got, we just, it's, it's exhausting and I'm really, it's terrifying. So yeah, heart, heart's out to everybody affected and I just want this country to be as good as it thinks it is. Uh, another way we think this country could be better uh, is obviously today was also uh, Equal Pay Day. Uh, we saw uh, members of the U.S. Women's National Team at the uh, at uh, the White House today, which was really cool to talk about the issue. But this is another area where uh, obviously you know, women in the vast majority of the world uh, do not make as much uh, per dollar equal to that of male counterparts. Um, and this is just another area where uh, if you are in a position to be able to influence or do something, uh, this would be a great opportunity to impact positive change uh, for you and the people in your life and uh, the people who need to see that change take place, Nick. But I think this is another thing that, particularly ahead of talking about the Chelsea women's team, just something to call into uh, call into the forefront. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, I want my sister to have every single opportunity that I have and and more, and you know. She frankly deserves it more than I do. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I, I think this is one thing that, that you know, everyone should be able to get behind. Um, it makes sense fiscally and it makes sense morally. I, I don't understand why this is still a big deal. I, it's funny that, you know, the Chelsea women's team, Andre, are are probably the most well-supported from an ownership standpoint club in, in England and probably up there in, in the world. Clearly Germany and France have, have kind of advanced the game before Chelsea got there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a good sign that there's more investment happening in uh, women's sports writ large, but particularly in women's soccer. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's a, to round it to this, you know, champions league, I, I think all of the matches were excellent and, it's unfortunate that they had to be seat searched out, you know, for online mm -hmm. to find streams of them. Um, you know, I'm glad, I'm thankful that Chelsea just streamed theirs without, you know, putting it behind some sort of pay subscription TV thing like Barcelona and Manchester City did. But honestly, I also don't fault them because you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, uh, these matches are of a ridiculously high quality. They were so much fun. They were so entertaining. And they need, they deserve to be on on television. Everybody needs to be to have an opportunity to watch them. So yeah, I mean, all of it is the same. It's almost like the the, the women keep saying the same thing. You know, <laughs> you can't really look at it because you don't have the right data set to say that you know we don't deserve equal pay because we don't have equal resources, we don't have equal opportunity, we don't have equal support. Give them the support, and you see what happens. I mean, I think uh, I saw a tweet that. Um, during the Barcelona-Manchester City match, over 600,000 were watching on just like paid streaming services alone, like Barcelona's streaming service, which is pay, and Manchester City's City Plus, which is pay. And just like imagine, those, those are the people that went through that hurdle to watch. Just imagine if, the, if you could just watch the game. Uh, <laughs> A novel I mean, it concept. Was, <laughs> it, it was great to hear that Sky Sports picked up you know, TV options uh, yes, this past weekend for, for the WSL. Um, you know, shouts to Chelsea for putting the match free on, on the fifth stand app. But I think to your point, there has to like, this is the highest level, right. Of, of either men's or, or women's European soccer is champions yeah. league. And there has to be a more accessible viewing, um, template for, for all of these matches. Um, and I, I would guess that you're probably going to see that sooner rather than later. Also Midge purse for president. She's yeah, so comfortable she, she up there. She's amazing. <laughs> I love Mitch Purse so much. 
Well, it was great when Biden also called them America's team because you know that really got <laughs> Jerry Go- Jones's goat. <laughs> Uh, But anyway, we won't dunk on the Cowboys fans too much here. We will get into talking about the Chelsea women's team victory over Wolfsburg here. And we're going to talk about all of it. We're going to break down the heroics of uh, Kettenran Berger. We're going to talk about Kirby, the wonderful duo of Sam Kerr and Fran Kirby, and just everything that happened and transpired. There's a lot to talk about, which is why Andre is here to help level up the quality of conversation But before we do that, we are going to get into some three-word match reviews. Uh, Nick, since I typically will read these because Brandon's hosting, I will gladly give you the honor of reading the three-word match reviews for this episode. That means extra hard grading for those out there. Uh, Dan usually lets you guys slide by with his lax grading system, but not today. Substitute teacher Nick in. um, All right. Uh, Gabriel, uh, we, we have two threes here using the three logo. Right. Uh, so I think I think we're, we're all brand aligned. Brilliant double save and woodwork saves us. Dan, which one of those do you want to submit officially? You know, I'm, I'm guessing we'll probably woodwork saves us is probably, a, you know, it, it, it captures something that none of the others don't. So uh, I like that. All right, then Dean Mears uh, <laughs> of, of noted went to Co- Mo King's Meadow fam. Uh, wham, bam. Thank you, Sam. Well done. <laughs> Little rhyming that never hurts. The Kirby connection from Courtney Smith uh, from the Chelsea, Chelsea Women's Supporters Group. Thank you, AKB. That's not, yeah, yep, yes, correct. Uh, and then Janique, always a, a feature in our three-word match reviews. Whoa, we're halfway there. Bam, Whoa. did it for you. <laughs> uh, it did call out. It wanted, uh, Janique wanted somebody to sing. So credit where credit is due, Nick did it. Nick delivered. <laughs> I look. I did not deliver. I just, uh, you know, I, if Janique says to do something, I do it. So that's that's what's going on there. All that's right, fair. Dan, you're back in. Three word match review. Go. Well, mine is an ode to Emma here because I went with made ourselves heard. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Would that be a reference to the shouting that was happening, or or what? Look, when you can hear someone on a stream. Um, and you know that the microphone isn't necessarily super close. Good on you. Good job. Uh, Nick, did you have a three-word match review? You I, I, sure, I sure did, Dan. Um, yeah, we were playing Wolfsburg, right? We were the werewolves of London today. Hmm? How about that one? Ooh. You like that one? In your face, Dan. <laughs> maybe, maybe Bruce has his uh, graphics idea there. <laughs> all, right, all right, Andre, what's yours? Three-word match review. So I remember last time I was here, uh, I, mine was terrible and um, mine and not creative. And it's going to be the same thing. I, it won't be terrible, but it will not be creative, but it will be relevant. I'm just going to go with straight up the name, the player really of the match and Katrin Berger. Without her, go. oh boy. Simple, easy, to the point. All right, well, we are going to jump into the match review really quickly. But before that, just a couple of quick gratitudes. Brandon isn't here, so I'll read our Patreons. I uh, want to thank Nathaniel for joining yearly upgrades from Josh and Alex and new subs from Emmanuel, Richard, and Josh. We appreciate it. They think are all in the Discord. They're all enjoying the Joe Tweeds newsletter, which I think is on the fifth or sixth week now. Just kind of crazy. He's got mailbags going on. You just can't stop that, man. These are not newsletters as much as they are books in a in a patreon format they are they're hefty they, they have some weight to them it's a short story um yeah that's that's based in uh, in the real world uh anyway apple Podcasts as well we want to thank john alonzo 399 and then thorty underscore from who did have a call out to why not us nick but i did leave that out of the script just so i could surprise you with it mm. engage a live reaction fun good stuff <laughs> thanks I uh, quick housekeeping, Nick, and then we'll get into this match review. Quick housekeeping. Uh, we're going to try something cool this weekend on on locker room. I think we're going to do some Chelsea trivia. I have a I have a cool Chelsea trivia book. Uh, I would be maybe we'll do some sort of stump the Schwab situation for for uh, for our guests who are going to join us on on the locker room. But we've had fun with these. They're kind of they're chill, uh, kind of looser format. So uh, check that out. We'll we'll send out the notification for when we're doing that. And then we are talking to Matt Law. We're recording this Wednesday night. We're talking to Matt Law tomorrow morning, um, bright and early. Um, and so we're going to have Matt Law come out on Friday this week. 
And we're recording with Chelsea Youth this weekend. So you're just getting hit right over the head with a ton of content. It's all good stuff. So really excited about that. All right. Well, we delayed it as long as we could. But it was a win, so we're happy to talk about it. It is the Chelsea women. They did play Wolfsburg in the Champions League this past Wednesday, March 24th, at the Fernick Souza Stadium. And the scoreline was Chelsea 2, Wolfsburg 1. I don't think we're going to have highlights, but... No surprise, it was Sam Kerr and Pernilla Harder getting on the sheet for Chelsea, and then uh, Johnson with the penalty that brought Wolfsburg back into the match and got them the crucial away goal. And Nick, because Brandon isn't here, I'll let you do the lineups too. How about that? You can read the lineup. So cool. And just for everyone's knowledge, they're playing both legs in Bucharest um, in Romania because of COVID, all all the stuff that's going on with COVID. So. They're they're in uh, Budapest, Hungary. Budapest, dang it, yeah. not Bucharest. Bucharest was our Atletico Madrid game. Yeah, it's strange. Yes. Dang you, Budapest yeah. words. All right, well you got me. Budapest, Hungary. Uh, stadium looked great, by the way. Uh, that was cool. Uh, the, the the woman of the moment, Anne Catherine Berger in goal. Uh, Neem Charles. Right back. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Millie Bright and Magda at center back and Anderson at left back. Then a midfield three, which I know Andre has some thoughts on, of Sophie Engel, G, and uh, Lupols in, in midfield. And then Pernilla Harder, Fran Kirby, and Sam Kerr up top. This graphic makes it look like a wide diamond or a false nine, four, three, three, uh, you know. I don't know. It, it, it was kind of an amorphous blob at times. Um, let's see. Bench, we're going... Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how to say... Uh, is it Musevich? Mus- Nailed it, yep. Musevich, yep. really? Musevich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. CH at the end? That sound? Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's uh, like a Kovacic, same, same, same deal. Okay, cool. Uh, with, with the Swedes, you don't really know. Uh, so that's... I'm learning <laughs> yeah. more every day. Um <laughs> Uh, Hannah Blundell and Jess Carter, Jesse Fleming, Drew Spence, Carly Telford, uh, Georgia Fox, and Beaver Jones, uh, unused subs for Cuthbert, Girl Wrighton being uh, brought on late in the match. So, pretty decent. All right. Well, stats for this one we had six shots to their 22. Double twos, uh, three shots on target to their eight, 56% possession to their 44, 494 passes there, 378, 74% pass accuracy to 69 for them, uh, 12 fouls to their 14, two yellow cards to their three, All right, that's interesting, zero red cards apiece, uh, one offsides apiece, and then one corner to their 10 10 corners. So uh, no expected goals, but we got stats. We got lineup. Andre, do you want to pick one to dive into before we get into the larger meat and potatoes? Uh, Yeah. When you're reading out those stats and sometimes I look at these and sometimes I don't just because like this, this match was exhausting. So so I did not (laughs) look at the stats, but honestly, it lets you kind of know everything you need to know about Chelsea's overall defensive performance, 378 passes, 22 shots. That shouldn't happen. (laughs) <laughs> that's just that's just such a low number of passes to get into shooting position to be able to take 22 shots. Like normally stats are never that simple. That stands out and Jesus. <laughs> no. Well, we uh, will get che- into has, has Chelsea faced 22 shots this season? Oh, no. No. Even like Manchester City and like Arsenal who they can struggle with uh defensively at times in in phases of games against them. I think Arsenal probably had um, like 15, maybe 17 or something, but nobody's gotten 20, 22 even. Uh, no, this, this, this is, this is an abnormal level. situation. <laughs> and what's scary? I mean, there's only one, two, three, four, four games in the WSL this season where they had an expected goal above one. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, you know, just to kind of, an interesting element there. You know, it's a 17 total matches, so only four. Raise, raise the level of competition. All right. Well, we will get into all of that, everything about this match after a real quick ad break. So stick around. We'll be right back. Okay. Well, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to this match, but probably the most competitive performance or competitive team to face Chelsea in quite some time. Um, 
Andre, like, you know, just in general, you know, A, was it the most competitive match we've seen for Chelsea in quite some time? And B, how do you think we fared? Yeah, so it, it definitely was the most competitive match we've had. Um, I, we have had some struggles versus, you know, Manchester United before, you know, drew with them 1-1 early in the season. Um, we've had some, you know, tense matches with Manchester City. Uh, we've also had some matches that weren't so tense with Manchester City where we beat them quite well, quite easily. Uh, same with Arsenal. So, the difference to me in this match is that normally when Chelsea struggle, it's because their attack isn't finding the spaces uh, to get the shots off, to get the goals. Um, in this match, their defense was like overrun. And that's what was so alarming to it. It's a very different way of struggling. And I don't know if I've, I can remember, especially not in recent memory, of Chelsea struggling to just be able to defend a team. That is what was so different. Um, Chelsea hasn't been on the, the, on, the, on the wrong end of one of those in a very, very long time. And um, honestly, we're, we're, we're pretty lucky to escape it. Um, I, I, the, the, chances create, the chance created, especially the Kerr goal, there was no luck about that. That was Chelsea's quality finally showing. But, I mean, in terms of Wolfsburg's shooting the post <laughs> a couple times, um, I, I think a player had a wide open header and I don't even know how she ended up missing the whole net and just hit the post. And then it bounces off on another player's, uh, Wolfsburg player's heel. And that could have even deflected in gold just, just out of pure, like justice in the universe, <laughs> but it did not thankfully. So like, yeah, Chelsea really got away with one. Um, the, the penalty keeps it close, but winning this match was, is still a little bit mind blowing given how Chelsea struggled. I mean, it, it was an interesting watch, right? Because we've been effusive in our praise of this team for some for some time, right? And sure, they've lost matches over, over the course of the last few years, but not many. Um, and they certainly haven't been tested like this in in some time. Um, so it, it was it was really, I think, to come out on top, even though you didn't play your best game, is is a massive achievement and. Something that I think you could, you know, if if you watch enough Emma Hayes press conferences or or, or post match uh, chats, you kind of understand her body language. There was a a look of relief on her face uh, after this one. Um, you know, it's the first time in eight tries that Chelsea beat Wolfsburg. I mean, th this is a a powerhouse team uh, in in women's football, uh, a team that has easily dispatched Chelsea in the past, uh, and so. You know, and played in the Champions League final last year, right? I mean, this is you know with with Pernilla Harder. I mean, this is no joke of a of a matchup. And yes, Chelsea have gotten a ton better, but you know there are levels to this, um, and it's it's really important that that Chelsea took um, you know uh, advantage here today. I, I just have to say, it, we're going to talk about Ann Katrenberger here in a second. Her save off of the like, beautifully floated ball to the back post that was hit with precision. Um, she somehow gets hands to this thing. And like, if you watch it on replay, it's insane. It was the moment of the match for me um, in a game of many moments. Absolutely insane, Dan. And probably save the points for, for save the points, save the, save the tie for Chelsea. Well, you think about just how important she was with the Atletico Madrid matches and stopping penalty after penalty after penalty. And that's not something that just an average keeper is going to do. You know, I think that you know, Emma did talk about her being, you know, one of our, the world's best uh, kind of post-match. And you know, I think that uh, we're getting to be the beneficiaries of her in this side at the moment. And, Look, you know, this is a pretty lockdown position previously before she arrived. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be hard for uh, Zarika to, you know, maybe find all the opportunities she wants uh, sitting behind Catherine Berger just because of how dominant, you know, she is. So, you know, I think maybe, you know, to that point, you know, Andre, you know, does this game, you know, uh, was, was, you know, was she your player of the match? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. hands down. If there's another keeper, and, and all, all, all due respect to Carly Telford and Zatira Musovic, who is really young but really good, a really good goalkeeper. Obviously, Chelsea isn't in the habit of buying bad keepers. Kepa aside, um, so <laughs> it's 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 like without her in the form that she's in right now, this match is 
is a, another troubling one against Wolfsburg for Chelsea. Um, so, like, yeah, she th- that that save that Nick was talking about that was unbelievable. She did not like that was that was one of those things. It was a it was a powerful header. It was in the back post. It was a terrible angle for her to try to save it, and it just just the power that was generated on it. She needed to react so quickly in order to push that over the bar, not and not have it deflect off her arm into the net or someplace else, or even push it back out to where another player gets an easy tap in, and. How she reacted to that so quickly was amazing. Like she read exactly the kind of strike that was coming, and she was able to to stand up to it. So yeah, without Berger, the only thing she could have done is save that penalty. <laughs> but I think I think we can let her have one since she no. saved three uh, in the Atletico. No, nobody was saving that penalty, man. Yeah, that I penalty mean, was vicious. <laughs> that, that was David Louise roofer. That, yeah. That's what that thing was. So. Oh man! I, well, I did, did want to say, you know, I, I meant to to kind of bring this up a little bit earlier um, when I was when I was talking about kind of like what happened to Chelsea. Some of this stuff is psychological, I, I do believe, um, and I got really like I was actually really excited for this match, and then I saw Chelsea's uh, the Chelsea FC women account post this video. That it, like a really nice hype video, but it really just like chronicled all the struggles they had against Wolfsburg in the past in the Champions League, and I got really nervous after that. And I was really nervous because it seemed like, at least from that video. Now, obviously, we're, I'm not in the locker room. I don't understand. Like, I'm not listening to Emma Hayes talk to the team before or after the match. I don't know, um, or during training. I really don't know. But it seemed like from that video that Chelsea was really playing against the history, their history mm-hmm. against Wolfsburg and not the team in front of them. And that was, that's what was so disturbing to me. Is I, and I wanted to see that change at some point, but it almost never did in the match. Because if you look like Chelsea needed to understand, they're a better team than Wolfsburg right now. Wolfsburg may add some players and get better, but like one of their best players, Caroline Graham Hansen, she's with Barcelona. She's doing great. Barcelona, she's an incredible player. Pernil Harder, she's with us. <laughs> you know, we have Sam Kerr. We have Fran Kirby, who's in God mode right now. She, she's <laughs> a, absurd. Like, we are a better team than Wolfsburg, period, if you look at just the, the lineups. And it seemed like Chelsea, and there were a lot of players, and sometimes when this history stuff, it can kind of seem a little goofy because, you know, you have some players on the team who don't know anything about that. I mean, Wolfsburg eliminated Chelsea from the Champions League and. Uh, the round of 16 in 2016, round of 32 in 2017, and the 2018 semifinals. But Frank Kirby was on those teams. Drew Spence was on those teams. Millie Bright was on those teams. Ji Soyun was on those teams. So they remember, and those are those are key. You know, Kirby, Bright, and G started. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Like they were on. They understand. They know that they've struggled against Wolfsburg, and I was really, you know a little scared that they were end up fighting that ghost rather than the team in front of them. And that, to mm-hmm. me, I think that had a really weird impact on the team because this was not really the Chelsea that we've seen before. We only saw it in a couple flashes. Thankfully, they scored a goal from one of those. But it was not the team that we've seen uh, recently, especially in the second half of the season. It's like when someone, you know, when everybody went away for summer at school and then like someone would grow up and be like, two feet taller than they were previously, but they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're still getting used to the fact that they have all of this additional like power in a sport, right? Like, so, you know, you'd be people playing like, you know, pick up basketball or whatever. And you, they, they just wouldn't realize that they could be like, Oh, I could dunk now. Or, Oh, I can, you know, move faster and I can like bully you around because I'm now, you know, superior in every way, shape and form. And like this Chelsea team, to your point, I think it's great is a superior side, but, you know, I, I remember, uh, I think you tweeted out the never in doubt. And then like a few minutes later, you're like, oh, by the way, yeah, this is not the right type of tweet for the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I regretted it immediately, but didn't delete it. <laughs> okay. I guess. Well, good, good. You left the receipts out there. Uh, Andre, we were talking a little bit before the pod and, and I, and I actually do want to get into the, the tactics here, right? Because I think you and I both noticed something. Uh, during this match that is is not a common occurrence when watching the Chelsea women this year, and that was the fact that the the midfield was getting uh, cut up pretty bad uh, by Wolfsburg's speed and intensity. And uh, I think you called out something that I, I thought was really crucial, which was just the personnel in the midfield and how they functioned together as a unit or got separated as a unit. 
Um, so do you want to call out the Sophie Ingle, Lou Foles, and G midfield and, and why that may or may not have worked? Yeah, so uh, uh, this is a, a frustrating one a little bit. I, I know why Emma Hayes did it. I think she wanted to have some sort of midfield solidity. Normally, Chelsea, um, especially recently, has not played with three in midfield. She usually just goes for a straight double pivot or it's a four-four-two diamond and you really have that kind of lone uh, midfield or centrally kind of holding. We've, we haven't played with the 4-3-3 since, hold on, I had it up. Um, when was this match? West Ham? Um, that, I believe that was the last time we played a, sort of a, um, a 4-3-3. Nope, that's a lie. It was well before that. I lied. Sorry. <laughs> I'll find the match when we played a 4-3-3. It was, it was basically towards the end of 2020 uh, because she changed the system almost just before the, the um we had a couple matches, and then she changed the system um, before the holiday break. So it was it was interesting that she went with the four, went back to the four three three. Obviously, there were some wrinkles. Uh, we did have the counter press that was still going. Uh, we did were also able to press high, but I mean, it, what what Nick and I were really talking about is really Sophie Engel and Ji So Yoon um, in the midfield with Melanie Loopholes, and it really didn't help that Melanie Loopholes probably ha- had a pretty poor game. But it was just the the lack of speed from G and from Sophie Engel that really caused the problem. Uh, anytime Wolfsburg got the ball, they were able to to really run through the midfield and run right by some of our midfielders and get right at the defense. And I believe that's how you have 378 passes and 22 shots because you don't have a midfield there stopping you. So that was that was really alarming. And I I don't. I like G playing deeper. She's a really clever player at finding space, but she can't be paired with someone else who is not who, who doesn't have the pace uh, or the mobility to really keep up. And Sophie Engel is one of those players where we need to really dominate possession, and we need to be pretty compact in order to make sure that she can kind of sit back, survey the pitch, and make and pick passes in front of her. She's really good at that. Like she has a, a really smart and a really she's really good at reading plays she's really smart but in this sort of match when she also needed to like track runners and stay with you know players who are dribbling at her one one v one or you know coming down the flank or or even running right by her you, you really need to have some sort of mobility and so I was a little I was a little concerned when I saw the lineup I was like oh it looks like we're gonna be back to the four three three I don't know how that's gonna work um and then I was also pretty concerned that it took Emma Hayes quite a while in my estimation to bring on Aaron Cuthbert um, or I even would have loved to see Jess Fleming. I think those two players have a tenacity about them and also have a lot more pace and obviously ability to play well in midfield. So I'm hoping that we don't see the same lineup in the second leg. Well, it'll definitely be a question for Emma Hayes to answer, but I think one that is going to not maybe be as much of a question anymore is Charles at right back. And if we want to talk about players who, you know, Brandon isn't here, but as Brandon would say, had themselves a day, I think we could all agree that Charles, you know, very, very nearly probably the second best Chelsea player on the pitch in this match. Uh, Emma's particular quote was, she listened, she's a great learner, and she copes really well with setbacks. She is showing the promise that we've always seen in her. I think it's just the beginning. So, I mean, just in general, Nick, I, I think, you know, a few surprise from the manager, but just in general dominance and and maybe even like our best defender and like we've converted her into our right back (laughs) like it's just so hot yeah i mean this is like i don't know how you feel about this andre this is like an ultimate luxury that you have someone like this who's so versatile i mean like neem charles should be playing up front (laughs) like i mean it it kind of feels like when they threw aaron cuthbert at wing back for a few of those matches uh, a couple years ago previously yeah Yeah. like you're you're just trying to get as many weapons on the field as you can at one time and and she ended up advancing down the right hand flank quite a bit and i think that initially caused wolfsburg some pause where they're like oh I have to actually, this person's not just going to sit back and be a part of the defensive line. They're actually getting uh, forward and creating havoc. And then when her and Kirby were on, on kind of the same side in the first half and you saw them start to interchange, you're like, Oh, <laughs> there's, there's something going on here. And that width actually really helps because one, one of the notable parts about the pitch of, in Budapest is that it's a, it's a big pitch. 
this is not King's Meadow, which is, a, is much more compact ground. So there's a lot more room to run around on, on the field. So uh, when you got Kirby making those really elongated diagonals where she was timing the uh, the run with the back line, that's a that's a dangerous place for the Wolves for a back line to be because their back line is not quick. Uh, so uh, Neem Charles had had herself a day uh, like she did uh, on the on the save that we were talking about from uh, Berger. She did lose her 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 uh, her man mark a little bit there on the back, and I think she has to, you know, naturally learn some of those nuances of defending. Um, she got a little bit lax on that one, but overall, I mean, I think most people would have pre- uh, predicted Blundell would have played uh, at right back. Um, pretty solid uh, outing for for Neem Charles. Oh yeah, absolutely, and actually, really quick because I did look it up while while Nick was talking. Um, Last time Chelsea played 4-3-3, it was 1-1 versus Arsenal, November 15th, 2020. That's how long it's been since we, <laughs> since we played a 4-3-3. And All guess the what? way back in 2020? All the way back in 20, 17 wow. years ago. <laughs> when we thought we only might be locked down for a month or two. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and guess what? No surprise there. Um, it was the exact same uh, players in midfield, um, and that didn't work as well either. Uh, had a 1-1. Um, Chelsea's uh, attack wasn't firing too well in, in this uh, match, but really it was uh, Arsenal outshot us uh, in that match as well. So, yeah, not great. Um, don't know if I want to see the 4-3-3 again. <laughs> but to, to, to bring it back to Neve Charles, I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for Ann Katrenberger being Ann Katrenberger and being insane and, and, and the post, you know, her and the post made a good tandem. Uh, but, yeah, I, it would have been Neve Charles. I was... I was so impressed with her. This was only her third appearance at, at right back for Chelsea. She started playing it when Mary Mielda got injured um, in the Continental Cup, which Chelsea won against Bristol 6-0. Uh, but, you know, then she, casual, she started... It's a casual 6-0. Yeah, just Come a on. casual 6-0. It's you a know, casual. As you Come do. On. In a final, as you do. Um, but, yeah, and she, so she played it against Atletico Madrid in the second leg. Uh, she played pretty well there. She played it against uh, Everton... Uh, in midweek uh, league match when Chelsea beat Everton 3-0. The great thing about that match is, is everybody should go and check the highlights of those three goals, and you'll see Neve Charles, what she can do. She has two incredible passes that set up two of Chelsea's goals from the right-back position. One of them, it's almost like she actually kind of flip-flopped and went to kind of like a center-back position with Millie Bright. Millie Bright was out wide and played the ball backwards, <laughs> to Neve Charles, who hits this ridiculous, like, curling cross that the goalkeeper has no idea what to do with. <laughs> and and uh, it, it turns into a bit of a scramble. But if you look at that pass, you just see how absurd uh, Neve Charles's vision is and her ability to really just spring an attack from really any position. And she's doing it from such a deep position on the pitch at right back and still being able to do it when she's really a winger, like Nick said, she's really a winger. She should be, you know, you know, back up for Fran Kirby on the right, but we need her on the at right back because Mary Miel is injured. And it really says a lot that Emma Hayes is going with her instead of Hannah Blundell, who has been kind of the backup right back for years. And, you know, another little shout out about Neve Charles. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this podcast because this might hurt her heart a little bit. Um Oh, she no, don't listen. do it. Don't Big do it. Listener. Come on, Andre. I, I know, but, but it, it, makes me, so it makes me happy in a way just because Chelsea's the beneficiary, but also I have, to, I have to call out nonsense at Liverpool. The way Liverpool treat their women's team is awful. Neve yeah. Charles was on Liverpool, and she was, she's a star, right? You get, everybody sees her talent, and you can clearly see it now. She, she went from right, right wing to right back, and she is a newcomer along the back line and just had the best game of any defender on the pitch <laughs> in the Champions League, in the quarterfinal of the Champions League against Wolfsburg. That's absurd. But you look at how she got to Chelsea and Liverpool, every single Liverpool supporter, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast, but if you have any friends who are Liverpool supporters, you can go ahead and bring this up to them. They should have been able to keep Neve Charles. The only reason she left is because they got they got relegated from the WSL. They're in the championship now. It doesn't look like they're going to get promoted at all. In fact, they're not going to get promoted. So they're going to spend another season in the in the championship. Their other top player, uh, Rensola Babajide, is now looking to get out. All these players are too good. And Neve Charles actually is a Liverpool, like she was born in Liverpool. 
She loves that club. She loves that area. She would, she would be one of those homegrown talents that never leaves. That's exactly what she wanted to do. But she looked at her footballing career and realized that Liverpool isn't supporting their women's team in any substantial way. And she made the move to Chelsea. That, if I'm a Liverpool supporter, I don't care what the men's team is doing. That's wrong. You know, we just talked about, you know, at the top of the show, equal payday and things that people need to do to support women's sports. Uh, Fenway Sports Group, what are you doing? I mean, mm-hmm. thank you for Neve Charles, honestly, but what the hell are you doing? Are you saying that, and I take no pride in saying this, but are you saying that Liverpool may have slipped up here? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they, they, they may have had a, a, a bit of a slip. They mm-hmm. may slip again with Baba Gina. They, they do enjoy a slip, those Reds. They do. What, what I will say, though, is I, I think, you know, it's always great to – just put one, pull one over on Liverpool. But I think it highlights, and you know, if you haven't read the interview that Roman Abramovich did with Forbes, yeah. the most effusive praise for what the Academy and the women's team have accomplished. And, you know, I think in general, like, you know, you, you could have a lot of problems with a lot of things about how things are run or who what players get signed or, you know, but you cannot do anything but thank Roman for the way that he has invested and helped to grow the women's game, uh, you know, in England and uh, abroad through the academy. Like we, we've had a chance to, to go to Cobham, Nick. We've had a chance to see the training facilities that they put together for this women's team. And it is exactly what he talks about in that article, which is, you know, that there has to be a level of equity to what's provided to if you're really going to invest, invest in the game. And, you know, money where the mouth is, it is something that Roman has done. Yeah, talk talk is cheap, man. The talk is cheap, and and he is not. Uh, that's the, <laughs> that, I mean that that's really it. I mean, we we were lucky enough in in 2017 to have uh you know go out to Frankie's, which is the little pub uh, attached to Stanford Bridge, and have a a really sneaky beer with with Emma Hayes, um because we had a, a mutual friend, and then we ended up going to Cobham and seeing their 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 women's team train, and it was fucking eye opening. I mean, it was it was eye opening to see how organized and how well coached and how passionate she was in training. I, I mean, you understand where the yelling is coming from today <laughs> really quickly. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the whole club infrastructure. And I mean, yeah, you can't be more proud of, of everything that's gone on. And I mean, again, thinking about today, thinking about the fact that you didn't play your best game, that you have, you know, a, you know, a very young, uh, inexperienced right back, uh, who's filling in for, one of the best right backs in the world is out injured and you, you get outplayed you do, but you still come out on top because of a silly goalkeeping error from Wolfsburg. And, uh, and you're able to, you know, what, what Dan said in our group chat earlier, Andre is you're able to win, even though you didn't play your best game. That's a, that's a hallmark of a champion, right? I mean, that's, that's what, that's what every great champion does is they don't play their best game and they somehow just get do enough to win. Yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> I, I, I hate the jinxes. This is this is the negative thing about like having podcasts and, and like and like tweeting is that sometimes you say things and you're like, oh, God, I hope this doesn't come back to bite. I never like, have like, done that. <laughs> not, <laughs> like not my one never time. in doubt tweet <laughs> that that was that was unfortunate because the penalty was called like two minutes later, but uh, or maybe 30 seconds later. But I'm going to go ahead and say this. Wolfsburg are in a, in a they They did make it two one. So obviously and they do have an away goal. The thing, though, is that the Chelsea, especially with this attack, and especially recently, Chelsea do not, like, it's hard to keep Chelsea from scoring. It's very hard. In fact, the last team that did it was actually Manchester City, but they did it all the way back in 2019. So this team scores goals. There, there, there are no, there, they, they, they do not go 90 minutes without putting the ball in the back of the net at least once, and a lot of times they do it multiple times. So... Wolfsburg still has a whole lot. Like they, they really needed to take their chances and actually like come out with a win in this one. You know, two one, three one, which it very easily could have been. I think they will be looking. They, they will probably, they might need to call and and develop some sort of support group with Atletico Madrid because <laughs> like the, both of those teams should have had multiple goals on Chelsea, and it looks like they're not going to get the goals that they need. Obviously, anything can happen in the second leg, but uh. <laughs> that post and then Berger playing out of her mind, like, I just don't know what else you want. Well, 22 shots and you get one goal out of it and it's a penalty. Uh, sure. 
I mean, thinking about this too, right? Because I mean, we still have to heat praise on Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby, which we, of course we will do. Your podcast yes. is named after one of these people. So we have to contractually, <laughs> we have to do that. But thinking about the second leg, right? I mean, Chelsea hold the, the, the advantage. There is no home field advantage. You're playing in the same stadium, right? So, you know, it's, it's, that's all kind of mitigated. Wolfsburg have to come at Chelsea now, right? Yes. And they have no choice. And I have no doubt that they will. <laughs> um, you know, I, th- I think they're going to come correct. But it does, it does provide an interesting scenario to think about, which is when, they, when, when Wolfsburg really went for it in the second half, they did get stretched. And that's when Chelsea hit them twice. Yep. Um, and so, you know, Chelsea possessed a, a very good counterattack, uh, probably the best counterattack in the world, I would say. Um, and you get Sam Kerr on one like she was today, running down the channels, providing space and opening up the middle. Hopefully, uh, you know, no guarantee, but I'm, I'm hopeful that you, you could potentially see Bethany England return at some point um, in the Champions League. Maybe it's the next match. Maybe it's the one after if we advance. But you start to think about the opportunities for Chelsea to counter Wolfsburg and, and get that crucial third goal, which which would be, you know, I think just uh, a, a really positive sign, Andre. The, the, that's where I'm kind of honing in on for, for the next ties to ensure that Chelsea are able to hit them on the counter. Yeah, and in my opinion, you know, Wolfsburg missed their opportunity. Uh, and obviously, like I said, I don't want to want to act like the tie is over because it absolutely is not. Knock Chelsea still has a lot of work wood. to do. Exactly. Damn Knock you. on wood. Damn but, you. I mean, Emma Hayes does, like, Chelsea doesn't play that poorly twice. That just isn't a thing that happens. I think Emma Hayes will look at that match and know exactly what, what happened. I'll be very surprised if the same lineup uh, is, is put out there in the second leg. I think she will probably go back to the 4 2 3 1. And if she does that, Wolfsburg are going to have a really difficult time um, um, coping with that. So I, I, I do think that, you know, against great teams, you do have to take your chances. We say that, like, that's just kind of a known thing, right? When, you, when you're playing a team who is better than you, you have to take your chances and you have to put the pressure on them, especially in the Champions League. We, we kind of just saw this with the Chelsea men against Atletico Madrid, and they took their chances. And when Atletico Madrid thought that they were just going to be able to turn it on and get the goals that they needed to advance, they weren't able to. And it's a similar situation here. Chelsea is the better team, and Wolfsburg had a ton of chances, and they missed them. And that really is going to bite them because Chelsea is not going to play like this again, in, in my opinion. They're just, this is not something that they do. Emma Hayes is too smart. She's too tactically astute. She knows what she's doing. Um, she's just a really, really good coach, and she'll know that she got it wrong. Um, a little bit in midfield, and I do not expect her like she won't repeat that same mistake. A little, little Cuthbert on the wing, perhaps. A little, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. and that's the great thing about this team is that there's so much to do. <laughs> like she, it's it's very it's very easy to to name a team that you know has Aaron Cuthbert in it, even Jess Fleming in it. You know, she trusts Jess Fleming. Jess Fleming started the the League Cup final. Yeah, it was against Bristol, but you know that's still for a trophy. And if you know it, Mahays at all. She's not going to play around when a trophy is on the line. She only <laughs> like, has nine of them. So. Yeah, she just has a, just, just nine. Uh, so, yeah, like she, she's an intense coach. And it would be out of everything that, that Chelsea can throw at Wolfsburg, this was really the lineup to get at them. And they did. You know, to their credit, they did. They got at Chelsea. They made it uncomfortable. Chelsea helped in, in a lot of ways. But, you know, that's, that's just kind of what happens. And, and I'm really excited for the second leg. Just please. For the love of God, Chelsea admin, Twitter admin, if you're listening, no more sad videos about how our how devastated we we were when we <laughs> lost, uh, got knocked out of the Champions League to Wolfsburg. Let, let's not let, let's look forward. We, we do not want to add to that to that highlight package in any way. So please don't do that. One well, we, consistent we, we, loop of Sam Kerr backflipping. Well, we've need. gotten we've gotten yes. past the hump, right? We've we've gotten our victory. We can move forward. History has been rewritten now. The history book is not Chelsea women unable to beat Wolfsburg ever. <laughs> it is now Chelsea have started a new trend of beating Wolfsburg yes. that One they will have to break. Let's so, make it a habit. 
Yeah, but and we'll make it a habit with uh, with Kirby as it is. Uh, I know Andre, you're a fan of the Kirby uh, instead of just doing the Kirby. Um, but yeah, um, Sam Kerr and Fran Kirby apparently share a mind. They're like Pacific Rim. They're piloting Jaegers together <laughs> and dominating everything. I mean, look. They're just phenomenal. It's so much to enjoy in terms of their attacking prowess and the way that they link up. Incredible goal from Kerr today as well. I mean, I don't know. But Nick, where do you want to take it? You know, Sam Kerr, Frank Kirby, who do you want to talk about? What do you want to say? For for those keeping track at home, that is one Pacific Rim reference in this podcast that you were not expecting. So uh, enjoy that one. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take Sam Kerr. I mean, the finish... The finish is extraordinary. I mean, it is the tightest of angles. The goalkeeper came out to shrink the space that she had to shoot at. Um, poor defending from Wolfsburg there. Uh, not not their best. And, I, you know, look, it's this is exactly why you brought Sam Kerr to the club. This match. You need someone who's going to show up in a big game to score a big goal. And you're going to bring one of the most experienced and most prolific goal scorers in the world to your club for these types of moments. And while it may have taken her a little while to get going at Chelsea, uh, she's heating up in NBA Jam terms. And and that is the that's the scary part, right? Is I don't think we've seen her hit full throttle yet. Um, you know, and it, it to me, Andre. I look at the there were a couple of moments where she made just the just the wrong run, just not quite there. And they, they were synced up her and her and Frank Kirby, but but not all the way today. And a couple more of those. If, if a ball doesn't get deflected or, you know, this side of the other thing, like she she could have had herself a, herself a couple today. And that's scary. Like she's she is scary. That's the end. <laughs> that that is extremely correct. She is she is very scary, you know. And actually, this goal for me was so good to see from Sam Kerr because normally when she gets kind of one v one with a goalkeeper, sometimes she can overthink it, and she's been doing that a lot at Chelsea when she has to use her feet. You know, headers she'll crush those all day. It doesn't matter. She can loop those over the goalkeeper. She can power them into the ground. She can power them right through the goalkeeper if she wants to. She's she's extremely adept at heading the ball. But you don't score a ton of goals without also knowing how to score with your feet. And one of her one of her issues at Chelsea has been trying to figure out, you know, the right angles, you know, the right things to do in those precise moments when she needs to figure out a way to get the ball by the goalkeeper using her right or left foot. And this one, this goal was so great because I believe she takes it away from the goalkeeper with her left foot and and sticks it into the net. And she actually lifted it intentionally with her right foot so that the so that the keeper uh, so that the player on the goal line the defender on the goal line couldn't just stick out a leg and stop the ball rolling along the floor and so it was a really smart a really clever thing it was a lot of composure from Sam Kerr which we have not seen a lot of that from her in a Chelsea shirt that's been like the last hurdle of getting her to score at the level with Chelsea that she has scored with you know the Chicago Red Stars and all the years she's had in the NWSL scoring a ton of goals so I loved seeing that. And honestly, I know I told you to go back and watch the goals at the uh, for the Everton match to see Neve Charles. And yes, please do that. But also check out the, the full Chelsea's, um, the Chelsea women Twitter account posted the full kind of build up to this goal. And you definitely need to see this because it starts with Magda Eriksson, a center back in our half, in Wolfsburg's half, you know, attacking kind of like she's kind of like maybe a little bit in front of the center circle, I would say. And she fires the ball in to the, the attacking third where Sophie Engel is. She's our defensive midfielder. No idea what she's doing there. She actually t- touches the ball back to G. Why is G behind our defensive midfielder? Because Chelsea's a monster, and, and this is what they do. Their build-up play is it's so hard to predict the movements. So you have a center back to a defensive mid- midfielder passing back to G, who actually beats a player and then lays the ball off to Kirby and Kirby eyes in the back of her head. She just knows that Sam Kerr knows what run Sam Kerr should make. And because that's the run that Sam Kerr should make nine times out of 10, Sam Kerr makes the run she should make. And so Kirby didn't even see her. She just spun around and pushed the ball with her foot right into the space that Sam Kerr was running into. 
I love that. Like that connection is impossible to stop. When you have a player who just knows what the other is going to do, they don't even have to like make eye contact with one another. Impossible to stop. And that's, and that's really how, you know, Kirby, K-E-R-R-B-Y, has been Kirby. born because those two are just unreal together. And when you think that like this is their first seed, like last season, Sam Kerr, or not Sam Kerr, Fran Kirby played only four matches and they're in the first half of the season, and Sam Kerr didn't come until January. So this is their first season together, and they're already doing stuff like this. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing. And God mode Fran Kirby. Just absolutely love her. I, I don't know how she's doing what she's doing. She she caused the, the turnover that the goalkeeper gave up too, right? Yep. I mean, she yep. sprinted in, passed it to Kerr, who passed it on to Harder for 2-0. For and, like, again, it's that quick. I mean... It, you give the ball to to Frank Kirby in the box. I mean, it's it's like a seventy to ninety percent chance that she's going to do something positive with it. Like, yes, that's where she's at right now. And that's kind of Chelsea's whole attacking thing. And that's what's been so fun to watch this team is that they have so many components, so many players who are so versatile and so good that as soon as they win possession, they're automatically looking to put the ball in the back of the net with a variety and they do it in a variety of ways it doesn't really matter who connects with who like i said check this goal out i mean center back to dm to cm to fran kirby who is actually on the left instead of on the right where she normally is but she was on the left and sam kerr was cutting in from the right it's just it's just one of the an absurd combination that i've been watching this team all year and i've never seen them do that before they can really attack in any number of ways, and it is frightening. And I don't know how in the hell you defend it. I'm just glad I don't have to. Well, and then just Pranilla Harder out of nowhere, like, pops up and gets her goal, too. Which is yeah, just, yeah, like, I'm it's so the embarrassment of riches type of scenario. And, you know, it's always nice to watch, you know, a player that now plays for your side score against their former team yes. uh, to help put them away, which is just... This and poetry. she celebrated. Thank you. Enough I with the hands that. up. I yeah. didn't. I'm sorry to score. Don't do that. Celebrate. You're you're with the you're with your new team. Celebrate. Probably helpful. There was no fans there because I imagine <laughs> if there were fans, maybe maybe there's a celebration. Maybe. maybe maybe it is the Champions League though. So you score a goal, you celebrate. I mean, I, none of that hands up. I'm so sorry. I did that. No, don't 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 give me that. I want to see celebrations. Well, one person, as we start to round this out, who did show a fair bit of emotion, particularly at the end of the match, too, in the dying moments, uh, but kind of throughout was Emma Hayes, who, uh, as we alluded to earlier, could be heard on the broadcast, uh, particularly after the clash between Pop and Berger at the very end of the match, uh, just about kind of player safety and uh, maybe where the ref was or wasn't looking or if they did or did not have eyes closed. Uh, look, Nick, it's what we've come to expect with Emma. She is a passionate leader. She cares about her players. And, uh, you know, as she put in her quote, uh, the quote after the match is, I don't think the referee of like this, likes the sound of my voice. I think I earned my money today. <laughs> I love her. She's uh, she's a bit cheeky, that Emma Hayes. Um, look, generally passionate person, Emma Hayes, is passionate. I mean, like, what, what do you want me to say? Like News at 11. She, yeah, she she wants she wants to win, and she's she loves her team, she loves her players, and she wants you know player safety to be a part of this. I mean, Pop is lucky to to have stayed in this tie, uh, not getting her second yellow card at the end. I think I said that earlier, but you watch that on replay, and if that happened in the men's league, there would have been a fist fight. I mean, it, yeah. it would have like it. That you you almost always protect the goalkeeper in the air. I mean, it's just a general rule. I think if Brandon was on this podcast, he would have uh, probably had some harsher words than I did there about about that. But that's dirty, man. It, it's a dirty play. She knew what she was doing. Like I'm all for players pushing it to the to the limit to try and score and win a game. And I I don't I don't think it, there was a whole lot of malintent there. But like she has to know, like she's never getting there, never. Not one time. So, uh, look, I, I hope I hope Berger's okay. She took a couple of knocks in this one, <laughs> and, and maybe we'll get spelled at the weekend uh, it, to to recover. Just being an ice bath for eighty four hours or whatever. But uh, <laughs> I, I think Emma Hayes was really concerned. And I look, there's no one you'd rather have managing your club than Emma Hayes. She is the absolute best. 
Yeah, to go to that challenge from Pop, I <clears throat> I was really disappointed that, and and you know, I don't like to complain about the refereeing because really nine times out, in fact, I like 9.9 times, out, <laughs> 9.9 times out of 10, both clubs are experiencing the referee the same way. Um, I know everybody thinks the referee is out to get them, but that's usually not the way it's actually going. But the thing that made this refereeing performance stand out, I think is the massive inconsistency is that she called some very soft fouls early and gave yellow cards for them. And then a challenge like this happens and she doesn't do anything. She just stands there and then makes sure, I mean, she did, thankfully she didn't call the foul on Berger and give a penalty. <laughs> I mean, she, it was almost that absurd where she just kind of sees that challenge. And, and I think what's so bad from pop is like Nick said, you can challenge the goalkeeper, but you can't leave your feet and jump into her. And she was not going for the ball. She knew she wasn't going to get the ball. Berger was going to claim it at the highest point if you were waiting for Berger to like maybe mess up, then you don't even jump. So I don't know what she was jumping for. <laughs> and so she jumped right into Berger and it was just such a bad collision. And yeah, she absolutely should like should have had a second yellow for that. But to bring it back to Emma Hayes, like <laughs> obviously fans are not in the stands for a horrible reason that Chelsea is playing a a a, uh, a home leg uh, and, and then we'll play in a waiting leg in the exact same stadium in Budapest for a terrible reason, but when you don't have any fans in the stands and nobody's pumping in artificial, you know, crowd noise, you get to hear Emma Hayes. And it's so great to do, like, to be able to listen to those moments in her coaching. I remember, like, one thing that stood out to me as well as her trying to protect Berger, which was an amazing uh, soundbite for everybody to hear, where she just said, like, that's not good enough, that's not okay. Um, And she was right. But one of the other things that I really loved is that when Aaron Cuthbert came into the match, she was basically orchestrating the way that she was pressing the back line. You know, the Wolfsburg played the ball out wide, you know, kind of toward the, the touchline where Emma Hayes was. And she was saying, come on, Aaron, come on, Aaron, close down, you know, get, get a foot on the ball. Like she's yelling at her, you know, telling her how to close down. And then Aaron Cuthbert closes down the player, gets the deflection off the Wolfsburg player, and we get the throw in. And Emma Hayes claps and says, you know, well done, you know, kind of cheers her on after that. And I was like, that was such a really cool moment just to see like how Emma Hayes not only orchestrates what the team is doing at all times, but also like encouraging the players. You know, we I know we've seen Thomas Tuchel like go after like Timo Werner a lot of times. And yeah, sometimes you need to do that. But it was just such a great thing to see Emma Hayes really like you know, like this was an important match. She wasn't shouting at her like, that's your marker. You need to get there. She was just telling her like, come on, close down. Let's go. We can do this. Just, you know, keep pushing. And it was just, it was just a great kind of like window into why these players will do any, like she has world-class players taking back seats to one another. I mean, Pernell Harder can take a team to the Champions League final on her own. She did it last season. <laughs> uh, Sam Kerr can do the same thing. This God mode Fran Kirby can do the same thing. I mean, you have such a stacked level of talent on this squad, but it's the way they're playing together. And that is all, all, all due to Emma Hayes and how much trust they have in her and how much belief and how much tactical skill and player management she, like how well she is at both of those things. She's, she's, un, she's unbelievable. And I'm, I'm so glad that she's our manager, especially because... Um, she, I, I don't know of too many other managers that could have taken this level of talent and done what she's done to them. Like I said, changing their style of play and doing what she's done to make them so direct but unpredictable is impressive. She balances many plates and has mm-hmm. done so in quite wonderful fashion. And uh, we inch closer towards, uh, you know, we've, we've hit the halftime moment in this tie. And we are at the point now where we've got another 90 minutes of football ahead of us to determine if this is a 2012-style experience for the Chelsea women's team. Uh, though I would actually say this is, you know, maybe a little less like 2012, Nick, because this is such a dominant side. And even though there was this, some luck in this match, like this team should win. This won't be a miracle if it happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> this will this will be a, a coronation if it happens, um, which is is about right. Um, you know, it, it would Chelsea Chelsea will enter a final feeling more like Bayern Munich did against us than uh, than we did against them. So, like. 
all the best to the Chelsea women in the second leg of this. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be fierce. I mean, if you thought today's game was intense, uh, imagine Wolfsburg with their backs against the wall. Um, it, you know, it's gonna require some resilience. And you know, remember that this this Wolfsburg team was in the final last year. I think they lost one nil in the final to Lyon. Um, something to that effect. They lost by one goal. So this is a uh, it's a good team that we're playing, and it, it would be it would be a big one off of the, you know, off the list in the quarterfinals to not have to face them <laughs> later on. Uh, so uh, let's let's hope they get it done. Well, we are going to round out then and leave you, lovely listeners, to reflect upon the greatness that is the Chelsea women's team, Emma Hayes, and uh, and Catherine Berger, Neem Charles, yeah, all of them. They're they're absolutely amazing. It is the best Chelsea team to watch pound for pound as it is this season, just with uh, the fact that they might go on and win three trophies, four trophies. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see though. And so, uh, but we have to thank Andre for coming in and just dropping all the knowledge as it relates to the Chelsea women's team, uh, his wonderful Frank Kirby fight club podcast, uh, you know, the work that he does and we ain't got no history. There's just so much uh, great Andre out there in the universe. So uh, you should just soak it up and enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me again. It was it was really fun. I was I you know, it's one of those things where you guys are like, Yeah, we'll have you back and I'm like, Yeah, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, see we'll see if they, you know, you actually ask me, but I'm like, Oh wow, they actually do want to talk to me. So thank you. Uh thank you guys for having me back on. Um it was as you can tell, I'm still very excited and, and love talking about this team. So uh anytime. And I'll try to shorten my sound bites up next time. Well, look, this is this, it's the establishment of our relationship, right? You know, it's the Fran Kirby uh, and Sam Kerr type of thing. You know, it's the first time, you know, like it was the first season. Wasn't fully all there yet, but we're, we're getting it. We're in a good spot now. Uh, Nick, any final thoughts from you before we drop it out here? Uh, no. Okay, well, there's that. Chelsea fans, until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. 